are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So uh, I've been giving announcements here at Bethany First Church for uh, seven years, been on staff seven years, been doing announcements for seven years. And what Timmy just did is truly one of the hardest things we do every single week. Will you guys give Timmy a big hand? He, he does an awesome job. Allie, they do a fantastic job. It is, it is truly hard. So Timmy, congratulations. You have six more years of announcements uh, before you get to preach. So, no. Hey, it's good to be with you. My name is Chris Holcomb. I am one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, and uh, I just I love being here. I love the word that I feel like God has given me to share uh, with you uh, this morning. I do want to highlight, I, I hope some of you have gotten a chance to, maybe you got a kid or maybe you have a grandkid that has been playing in our rec basketball league. It has been truly an incredible season. We have over 250 kids playing rec basketball every Saturday right here. It's amazing. I, I'm loving it. Uh, it is such a cool environment. I was there yesterday and uh, just enjoying the games and BFC Jam, huge party, food, hot dogs, the whole bit. And I'm just standing there in between both courts, right? So I'm watching both games, so one on my left and one going on on my right. And I just, all of a sudden, I just I had this moment. I mean, there were parents and grandparents and coaches, and there was cheering going on, and, and kids were playing their hearts out. And I had this very surreal beautiful moment about what God is doing in the life of our church. That moment quickly faded and it turned into jealousy. And I all of a sudden kind of had this flashback. Uh, When I played at BFC Rec Basketball, uh, we were in the Floyd Center playing on carpet. Anybody, anybody, raise your hand if you played, yeah, if you remember the Floyd Center playing on carpet. Like, these kids, they were rocking like brand new Kobe Bryant shoes. I'm like, no wonder you're 10 and can dunk, you know? Like, you have the nicest pair of shoes in the world. When I played, I was seriously concerned about carpet burns. Like, that's it. You, you fall down, your knees, elbows, carpet burns a whole bit. You didn't even have to wear shoes in the Floyd Center. You got better grip in your socks, you know? Like that, and I just had this moment, I'm like, man, these, these kids, what an environment, what a place. And God is doing something really, really beautiful through our recreation ministries and the ministry of Natalie and Peter and many of our other commissioners and coaches. And so I've been, been overwhelmed. So it's good to celebrate that uh, today. You guys know this. Uh, you know this about me. If you've, you've heard me preach before if, or if we've ever even had any conversation, uh, you know that I'm, that I'm a storyteller. And I'm loving this sermon series that we're in called The Magnificent Story, looking at the story of God and deciding whether that story is good, beautiful, and true. And I'm loving it. If you haven't picked up the book, I encourage you. It's not too late. We're only four weeks in, so you're going to have to catch up a little bit. But uh, I encourage you to pick it up and read it with us. It's a great book, and it's been a great resource for us. And so this morning, I'm talking a little bit about the idea of our story with God being beautiful. So it is almost my anniversary on March 16th. Hannah and I will have been married seven years. And uh, coming up, March 16th, yeah, give it up, seven years. And uh, listen, uh, seven years in, I know a lot, okay? I've learned a lot. So if you're struggling out there and you need questions, just come and ask me. i got it figured out. 
Seven years ago, on March 16th, I'm standing there at the altar and I'm waiting for my beautiful bride to walk down the aisle, which is going to change my life forever, right? Massive decision, massive choice, uh, years of dating, years of friendship that was just about to come to this point in which we were about to become husband and wife. And I remember uh, a few months earlier, I had asked my mentor, my pastor, Chris Pollock, uh, who had helped raise me, who had helped shape me, all of those formative years of middle school and high school. I had asked him, I said, hey, you know, Chris, would you mind marrying Hannah and I? And of course he said, yes, I would love to do that. And so I remember that day uh, so, so vividly. I remember uh, Pastor Chris leading me and my groomsmen out And there I am standing in the middle of the aisle and Pastor Chris is right next to me as the the bridesmaids begin to walk down. I remember one friend would go after the other and then at the very end it gets down to my, my younger sister who's six years younger than me and she's walking down the aisle and there was that moment when you see your younger sister uh, uh, and you're like, man, that, that kind of gets me. All of a sudden my eyes start to fill with water. Like, I'm not quite crying yet, but it's about to happen. Like, don't blink or they'll all fall, you know? It's like that moment, like I'm trying to keep it together. And then all of a sudden, it's about to happen. The grand entrance, the doors are about to open. I'm about to see her for the first time in her wedding dress. And I feel this hand next to me. I feel Chris just reach over and he reaches over and he grabs me around the shoulders. And I mean, he is just hugging me really, really tight. And I just, that was it. When your mentor, when your pastor, someone that you look up to so much reaches out in a gesture like that and just embraces you and hugs you, I was a goner. Like, that was it. Here's the picture. Roll, show the picture. Like, there it is. Like, look at that. Baby face Chris. That, seven years ago, could not grow a beard. There is not one <laughs> hair on those cheeks. Like, not possible. Like, I was shaving just to pretend I was cool. No. Look at that teardrop right there. I mean, that. He reaches up, grabs a hold of me, squeezes me, gives me a, a, a side hug like a good youth pastor should do, and I completely lost it. Tears started flowing. It was this moment of beauty. My mentor, my friend, my pastor, he loves me so much. Long story short, my wife comes down. She looks beautiful. It's this crazy, amazing ceremony. God did unbelievable things. It was so much fun, and, and I loved it. After the wedding, we are hanging out, and I go up to Chris. I'm like, Chris, thank you so much for the ceremony. Thanks so much for, for being a mentor of mine and being a pastor of mine. I love you so much. I said, man, when you reached out and you hugged me, whew, that was important to me. That was special for me. And Chris goes, what? I go, yeah, you know, like when you reached out and gave me a hug, you know, in that moment, right before Hannah walked down, that, that, was, that was amazing for me. That was a beautiful moment. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, look, I was getting lightheaded. <laughs> he goes, seriously, sorry. He goes, man, I was getting lightheaded. I was thinking about having a seat right there on the stairs, but I saw you were over there crying, so I thought, this is my opportunity. He just leaned over. He was about to pass out, and he just leans over and gives me a hug. And I am just like, that moment, that, that's not what I thought it was. He was like, yeah, absolutely, it wasn't that. <laughs> you know, when you think something's beautiful, and it's not, it is just completely the opposite. 
There's this phrase that we say a lot called, uh, it goes like this, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We've heard it all the time. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What that phrase is actually saying is beauty is relative to you and it's relative to me. What you think is beautiful may not be something that I think is beautiful. So we can look at a picture of art. We can look at something and, and you might go, man, that is really beautiful. And I'm like, no, that's a white canvas with one black dot on it. And like, that really speaks to me. I'm like, uh, Ellie could make that, you know? But I'm going to argue this morning just, just a little bit. That although I think that phrase is sometimes true, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I think there is a standard of beauty. And I think God sets that standard. And God has set that standard. So today I want to ask you a question. Is your story with God beautiful? Is your story with God beautiful? I've been asking people this question this week. Kind of random. Hey, is your story with God beautiful? They're like, uh, well, what do you mean beautiful? I'm like, beautiful. Like, would you describe your story, your relationship with God, would you describe it as beauty? And you know what the answer I typically get? Uh, I mean, beautiful? I mean, maybe sometimes? Or the other answer I get is, I don't think I would describe it as beautiful. Is your story with God beautiful? Today I want to remind us a little about what that standard of beauty might be. I'm going to go through a series of things because I want to get your mind thinking. I want to get your heart racing. I want to take you back to a memory that you can remember where you go, man, no, that was beautiful. I remember that moment. I have that picture in my mind. That is the picture of beauty. And I think that these moments are going to be moments for you that you recognize that God was there. And so is your story with God beautiful? Beauty could be that moment when you're skiing and you're on a ski lift and you know that moment where someone's sitting behind you and it's just kind of quiet and you're watching people ski underneath a ski lift and you just look back. You look back. And all of a sudden you take in this backdrop of those mountains. Beauty. Maybe it's that view when you walk to the edge of the Grand Canyon for the very first time. You walk to the edge and you look and you go, wow. That's a big hole. That's amazing. Beauty. Maybe it's that moment you're standing on a sandy beach and you're just trying to grasp the reality of how big the ocean is. Maybe it's the sound of a full dining room table. You're in your kitchen preparing to bring out a, a dish and, and you just, for that glimpse of the moment, you just listen. Beauty. Maybe it's the feeling of a hand on your shoulder when, when life is kind of messed up and, and you find yourself broke down and busted on your knees at the altar. And all of a sudden you find that hand on your shoulder of someone that's praying for you. Beautiful. Maybe it's the overwhelming love and generosity of a group of people when you meet it most. Maybe it's the colors 
of a sunset, the warmth of a sunrise. Maybe it's a rush of emotion when a child is born. Maybe it's a glowing bride on her wedding day. Maybe it's the sound of a laugh of somebody that you love. That feeling when you realize that giving is better than taking. The image of a son caring for his father in the final days of life. I just witnessed that. There was something really beautiful about watching my dad care for my grandpa. The faith of someone who receives devastating diagnosis. And yet we watch the rest of their story turn toward God with a faith that we can't even imagine. There's something really beautiful about that. Or just yesterday, witnessing a girl in our BFC Recreation Basketball League who hadn't scored a point all season long. And with three seconds left in the final game of the season, she drains her very first shot and the place goes crazy. Both sides of the stands, no one cares about teams or, or who they're playing. Both sides of the stands completely lose their mind. Is your story with God beautiful? You see, I think... For a lot of us, we've bought in to a little bit different story. We've bought into just a little bit different narrative with God. And to answer that question, if my story, my relationship with God is beautiful, the answer tends to come out, not really. I think there's been times and moments where it has, but, but for the most part, it, it's not necessarily beautiful how I would describe it. James Bryan Smith says this in his book, he says beauty is three things. Beauty takes the path every time we see it of these three things. You ready? One, when we encounter beauty, it never stays. When we encounter true beauty, it never stays. Two, when we encounter true beauty, it never fully satisfies. When we encounter true beauty, it never fully satisfies. And three, encountering true beauty will sometimes change us forever. It never fully satisfies. It never stays. But the encounter will often transform us and change us forever. I was talking with Hannah about this sermon and about this concept of beauty and things that I were wrestling with and thinking about. And I said, Hannah, you know what? The thing that I love most right now, one of the most beautiful things in my life today, right now, that, that I recognize God's presence every time I hear it, it's in Ellie's laugh. My two-year-old daughter. There is nothing more beautiful than, to me right now than hearing her laugh. And here's how I know I, I, it, it never stays I'm constantly trying to get her to laugh because I want to experience that beauty. I want to hear that sound just one more time. And it never fully satisfies. 
It's not like I've heard her laugh one time and I'm like, man, I'm good for the rest of my life. Don't ever laugh again. No. I wake up the next day going, okay, what are the ways I'm going to make Ellie laugh? I'm going to fly her around. I'm going to tickle her. I'm going to pretend my hand's a claw. Like I'm going to do all this weird stuff to make her laugh. Because her laugh, it doesn't stay. She doesn't laugh all the time. And it doesn't ever fully satisfy. But the encounter has changed me forever. Is your story with God beautiful? So I'm playing golf uh, about a year ago, and I'm playing golf. It's with uh, David Bond. He was there. Zach Bond, his younger brother, and uh, a guy named Eric Smith. Many of you know Eric, uh, who serves as a pastor in Germany right now. And so I'm playing golf, and I like starting a story with I play golf, because one, it makes me feel like Pastor Rick, you know? Like, he, he loves golf stories. He's got a lot of golf stories. And, and, but here's what I need you to know, okay? I'm a terrible golfer, all right? If, if you just found out, like, oh, Chris plays golf, we should invite him. Don't, all right? Just don't worry about it. Like, uh, breakfast after, in, you know? But golf, no. It just I play for fun, like, once or twice a year. And uh, I don't like to play 18 holes. I only like to play nine because I'm bored after nine. So, but I'm playing golf and uh, we're having fun and we, we go up to hole number one and I'm telling this story to the guys and we're kind of laughing. And as we're headed over to hole number two, Zach, he says to me, he says, you know, Chris, I, I, I got to tell you something. He goes, honestly, he goes, man, you tell some crazy stories. And uh, to be real truthful, I don't know if I believe them all the time. And I'm like, well, that's rude, you know? <laughs> like, what? A, wow, we're on hole two, you know? We still got seven more. And he goes, no, truthfully, I mean, your stories are crazy. He's like, oh, these crazy things happen to you, and you always, you always tell these crazy stories. And he's like, these crazy things, they don't happen to me. And he's like, I just don't know if, you know, if they're, they're good stories, but I don't know if they're, they're necessarily true. And I said, well, uh, you know, you might be surprised or not, but you're not the first person to tell me that. And I'm lining up to tee off on hole two. I take my driver, and I do my backswing, and I hit a line drive very hard, about three feet zinger off the ground, okay? This is the max height that got, all right? This ball is booking it, and it flies about 50 or 60 yards just above the ground, and it hits a goose. Poof! directly in the chest. I mean, a zinger, whack, boom, hits the goose. Goose flies back, lands on its back. It is flapping its left wing just ferociously, but its right wing is seriously damaged. It is not moving at all, so it can't get over back onto its feet, and so it's just flapping its left wing, but the right one is just laying there. And all of us at the same time are like, oh, no. And I'm like, what do we do? What do we do? Zach, who loves animals, he runs over there and he takes his driver and he, he flips it by its neck and he flips it over, helping it get up onto its feet. Now, some of you are like, call animal patrol right now, you know, <laughs> flips him over onto his feet and we're standing there and I'm just like, I am so sorry. Like, I... You're a victim of my bad golf. Like, you didn't deserve this. God, why have you forsaken this goose? You know, like, and this goose, geese, whatever you call him, he's, 
he's walking, but his right wing is just dragging. It's not working. I'm serious. It's not working. I'm being serious. It's seriously damaged. And I was just like, wow. It's kind of quiet. And Zach looks at me. He says, forget what I said earlier. <laughs> I'm serious. Forget it. Forget it. Okay, I, I got to do this. A guy from first service, I told that story. He comes down. He says, hey, this is how I want you to end your story about the goose. Tell him you got a birdie. <laughs> I was like, that is gold. That is a great joke. Thank you, Mr. Bradley, for that one. So... No. He's like, forget what I said. The story. No, forget it. Yeah, weird things happen to you. Like, you got crazy stories. You see, to have a good story, it's got to be good. It's got to be true. And it's got to be beautiful. And our relationship with God is a magnificent story. And if your story with God is not beautiful, then something isn't right. If you don't look at God and your relationship and you can say, man, God's work in my life, the way God is interacting with me, what God is doing in the world that I see, is if it's not beautiful, then there is something wrong because God's story is magnificent. But I think for many of us in the church, we have started with a story of shame and guilt and judgment. That that is our starting place. That for some reason, we, we've heard a message and a narrative that starts with Genesis chapter 3, and it doesn't start with Genesis 1. And if you start at Genesis 3, the only starting place for your narrative is sin. If you start your story at Genesis 3, it's shame. And it's brokenness. And then we find ourselves at Revelation 20, which is judgment. And those two things, the page of Genesis 3 and the passage of judgment in Revelation 20, all of a sudden those things begin to narrate our life and they begin to define us. And our story... It starts with creation. Our story of God starts in Genesis 1. And it narrates the story of all of God's creation, including you and me, and everything that we see is good. You see, that's a good story. Because what it does is, is all of a sudden, Genesis chapter 3, it becomes just a part and a piece of our story. I spend way too much time as a pastor. I mean, I, I wish that I could change some of these conversations, and, and that's part of what my calling and, and duty is as a pastor, but I'll meet with people, and I meet with far too many people who start telling me about their story and their relationship with God, and the only thing that I am hearing is this shame and guilt and judgment, and the, the, the thing that I hear all the time is that, you know, Pastor Chris, I, I just need to do more, all right? I need to get back into my Bible reading. I need to be, be back into finding times of prayer. I, I need to be doing more. And the thing I want to say to them is stop. Stop. You don't have to do more 
You have to accept what God's already done for you. You don't have to do more. You've got to accept what God has already done for you. And it is true that as we grow and as we're becoming more like Christ, we do need to be engaged in our Word. We need to be finding times where we sit down and we, we find moments in our day where we spend with our Heavenly Father. That's true. We need to be doing that if we want to grow. And it's true. We need to probably be increasing our prayer life. And we need to be finding moments where we get on our knees and praying on the behalf of others that we care about so deeply. But I hear far too many stories that their relationship with God is more about fear than it is about love. It's more about anxiety and worry. It's more about anxiousness and anger. It's more about judgment. It's more about just trying to find the right words to say so I can make it into heaven at some point. And this story, that narrative, it's not magnificent. And it's not beautiful. There's a passage in uh, Revelation 21, and that's the passage I'm about to read. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, we'll have it up on the screen. But in Revelation 21, there, there is this moment in which John, who is prophesying, and he's writing down these words, and he, he's writing down this vision and, and these dreams in which these things in which God is revealing to him about what is going to happen someday. And these words are going to speak truth to us. And, and there's a, I just want to read these scriptures to you. Because I want to allow these words to just preach on their own. And I want you just to, to internalize them. I don't want you just to read these words. I want you to hear these words. And I want you to be encouraged by this passage of Scripture because there is a lot of hope in this passage. It follows 20 chapters of a narrative of judgment. And if you stop reading at 20... Our story becomes just a story of judgment at the end. And that's not magnificent. And it's not beautiful. But if you keep reading into 21, it's beautiful. So here we go. Hear these words from John's Gospel. It says this, Then I saw, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear 
from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. You see, God, God is doing something new. And the thing about this, this word from John is it's not just talking about what will come. He's not just talking about when Christ comes back and returns, which are are things that as Christ followers we are hoping for with anticipation and we're waiting for. But what this means, it is realized in the here and the now. That God is working here and now in your life. God is moving and He is working and there are beautiful things happening in your story. And it's not just when times are good. Like I had mentioned, my grandpa passed away in December. Times were not good. It wasn't great. And God revealed himself so powerfully to me over those weeks. I watched in my grandpa's suffering cry out to God, asking me, Chris, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Will the Lord take me? And I watched my dad care for his father in a way that I had never seen before. And there was beauty in it. Beauty becomes realized even in suffering, even in pain. And we see that best picture in the person of Christ. You see, Genesis 3, that one page in your scriptures one page it cannot define you because Genesis 3 it was nailed to a cross that shame that guilt that sin Christ who loves us more than anything he took it all We cannot start at 3. and We can't stop at Revelation 20. Because it's not a compelling story enough. Those are a part of our story. There are things that you and I will have to deal with because of those things in our life. They will come up and they will surface. But it's not your whole story. It's not a magnificent story. Going back to my wedding day, the doors open, and there, standing there, is my beautiful bride. And she's being escorted down the aisle by her grandpa, who has loved me, who I love so much. And I remember as she started to walk down, the tears just became flowing, obviously. I was a complete mess. And I was just totally overwhelmed with the beauty of this moment 
And, and, and I love this part because uh, my small group guys who I had had for four years, and one of them was uh, Connor Whitson. And Connor is sitting on the end of the row, and uh, his mom, Angela, looks over at him, and he's just sobbing. He's crying hysterically. And she told me, you know, he's not much of a crier. And she said, hey, what's going on? And he just said, it's just so beautiful. And I've reflected on this moment a lot. And I go, what, what was it about that day that was so beautiful? Hannah was beautiful. Her dress was amazing. But I think there was more than that. You see, because what people didn't know about that day is that Hannah and I were actually, we were excited, but we were also mourning. We recognized that this was a day in which Hannah had always dreamed that uh, her mom would be there. And her mom passing away several years before, she wasn't there. It's also a day in which uh, you, you dream of that at some point your, your father would, you'd have the relationship and your father would, would walk you down the aisle, but, but Hannah's story with her dad, it, that's not how it played out. And we had people in our life that we were praying for, and, and people didn't realize that, that Hannah and I as a couple had, had been through some stuff. So in a moment like that, what makes it beautiful? There's only one. And that's God. There's only one thing or person or being that makes that moment beautiful and it's God and as I watched my bride walk down the aisle I knew she had been redeemed I knew that God had been walking with her I knew that God had healed her I knew God had prepared her like a bride for her husband you see God reaches down and pulls us from the page of Genesis chapter 3 and he says I have a new heaven and a new earth I have a new purpose and a new call for you I've got something bigger I am doing something new I am making a way that you didn't even know was going to be made all I'm asking is that you walk through it and beauty comes from it so I'm going to ask the band up And there's this song that I've been singing a lot. It's probably the top song played on my Spotify playlist. This song is called So Will I. And many of you have heard it. Many of you sing it. Many of you listen to it. But this song and this video that we're going to play, as you listen and read the lyrics and as you watch the images that are scrolling in the background and as you hear the song being sung I wanted to take you on a journey through creation and I don't know how you want to react or how you want to respond because my prayer for this entire message has been very simple God I want when people to leave this place for them to question their relationship with God. And if it's not beautiful, for you to start finding beauty in the story of God. Wherever you have to start looking, whatever you have to become aware of, 
James Bryan Smith says this, the moment that we stop seeking beauty is the moment that we stop seeking God. Why? Because God interacts in creation and beauty. It is one of the ways in which God reveals himself to us. And it's simple. It's not always on a ski lift with the mountains. And it's not always in suffering. Sometimes it's all the way in between. And I think we miss it so often. We miss it in the laugh of a child. We miss it in the compliment that we receive. We miss it in a moment of conversation that fuels us. You see, beauty is happening everywhere. God's presence is permeating everything, everywhere we go. And it's happening all the time. And I think we miss it. Is your story with God beautiful? And so I want you to respond how you want to respond. You can stand and sing. Altars are open. Come down here. Find a moment. Remind yourself that God is working. Remind yourself that there are beautiful things that God is doing. This moment is yours. You've already done the work. You made it here. Don't miss a moment. Let God speak to you. Let God move you. Let God remind you of the amazing things that He has given you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.